We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaito Shaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. I'm Jeff Hunt, and I'll be your host. We're going way, way back on this one. In the summer of 2018, I had the good fortune of being seated next to Mike Lynch at my girlfriend's brother's birthday dinner. Mike and I hit it off, and that's putting it mildly. Turns out Mike owns and operates Babylon Burning, a screen printing shop in the south of Market that had recently achieved legacy business status. Back in those days, and for most of the time we've been doing this podcast, episodes were about people and their life stories. Now, in season five, we're focusing on places instead. And so for this episode, we've edited Mike's season one chat with us down to the parts where he talks about Babylon burning. There's also some good stuff in here about the city in general. Next week, you'll hear from Mike and his wife, Judy, about the new location of Babylon Burning, which opened last month on Howard Street. Here's Mike. I was, you know, partying too much and trying to get a new career. So I got sober, which really helped me, um, and then started looking into going to school. And I went back to school. I couldn't figure out City College, um, so I started going to College of Marin. I was screen printing in the daytime, eight hours, and then three hours over to Marin and back, and oh, it's horrible. Yeah, uh, but I did it. I did it for, I did it for about four years, um, and didn't still didn't graduate from college. But um, then I went to paramedic school, thinking I was going to do a whole new direction. Um, that didn't work out. And then I had a whole f- bunch of friends that worked at Babylon when Babylon was on 2nd and Howard Street. Okay. And this would be in the um, uh, early 90s. Okay. Early 90s. Um, my brother had some shirts in there that the old owner would print and did consignment for him. And um, So I had a whole bunch of friends that worked there. I knew about the place. Um but when Babylon moved to this location where it's at now at 63 Bluxom Street in 1989, right after the earthquake, I started working here part-time. I was going to school. Um, I had quit graphic sportswear. I was working here sort of part-time, still going to school. Uh, and then uh, I wanted to get away from printing altogether. Well, I was going to ask real fast, what... What about this place made you want to work here versus... Well, at the time, I just needed a job. Uh, And I had already had 10 years of screen printing, so I was a pretty experienced printer Um, while I was going to school because I was thinking, oh, paramedic, that's what I want to be, which didn't work out. Um, But then I said, maybe I'll get on the other side of it. Maybe I'll get on sales. And then I got a gig at this place called Crux Productions. And I was doing sales. 
my boss um, at the time had Shepard Ferry as a client. <laughs> and so I worked with Shepard and I was really trying to help him push Obey. He and I were pretty close. Uh, and he would have these great designs and um, I would try to go shop it on Hate Street. Everyone hated it. and um, <laughs> um, But that boss was kind of a prick and uh, and the shepherd thing, I could see that that was, he was trying to get away from this guy too. Um, and so then I left there and the old owner at Babylon, who I really liked, so an old surfer dude, super great guy. Um, guy from Pacifica, he was a Vietnam vet. He named Babylon after, you know, he was kind of a Rastafarian surfer, Vietnam vet guy, super great, mellow guy. And then he also loved the Ruts and the song Babylon Burning, so he kind of named it after that. What was his name? His name's Steve Patton. He's Steve still around. I still talk to him every once in a while. Um, and he... Uh, was looking to get rid of the business. He was kind of faltering. I remember that he had come over to Graphic Sportswear, kind of looking for work, because um, he was not, he wasn't really, he was just burning out. He had the business for 20-something years. But I had a young, he had a young guy working for him, who the minute I met him, he was me 12 years prior. Mm-hmm. This young punk rock kid, and, and Steve, Steve was the owner, and, he really liked him, and he could feel his energy, and he really liked screen printing. Um, he had a bunch of his friends working here. So I said, I had gotten through the job at Crux Productions, and I, I needed a job. I wasn't, paramedic school wasn't working out, and college wasn't working out. I said, his name was Brian. He was running it, and I said, listen, I need a job. I learned how to do sales. I'll come in there. You and I are kind of, you know, we... Once we met each other, we hit it off really good. And he's like, no. He's like, I can't afford to pay you. He goes, Steve has buried the business. He's just really far in debt. And I don't know how long it's going to last, you know. I go, well, why don't I come down for a little bit and we'll see how it goes, you know. And once I got in here, um, seeing what was going on, really looking at all the history of Babylon, I'm like, it was not this job I just came from like, hey, do you need some T-shirts? It's an embarrassing call. This is like calling the Castro Theater and saying, do you know that we're still around and we used to print for you and we want to print for you again? And they're like, great. We always love the owner. Calling the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Calling Everett Middle School. And just it snowballed. And within the old owner was probably two to $300,000 in debt. And we had it paid off in two years. Wow. Yeah, we just, we just meshed well. And, yeah. And it was just working. Again, it wasn't uh, cold calling. It was, it was calling these existing clients yeah. um, and saying, hey, we're still here. Believe it or not, we're still here. And, um, and we're killing it. We're doing so great. And then Steve actually had a, you know, he gave the business to Brian, he said, "I'm done with it. You just take it over." And and then he could see how well we we're doing. He said, "I think I'm coming back." And we <laughs> said, "Nah, no, we'll buy it from you." And and um, it got a little messy, but it all worked out. He want he said one price, another thing came up, but 
we worked it out because he's such a great guy and um, and he deserved everything he did. He deserved what this place was worth. And its way, its its history is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, after we had m- multiple meetings, we're like, "You're right. It's it, we'll, we'll pay you whatever you want." We paid off all this debt, um, and in two or three years, we should be fine, and the place should be humming. Um, and it was. It was some great, it was some great clients, great great history of this place. And so um, you and Brian co-owned it at that point. Co-owned or? it at that point. Um, he um again he was uh he was 12 years uh younger than me he um he was just like me too partier going to shows i was trying to start a family and met a woman oh we're gonna have kids and um so we're definitely on different paths but business sense we could see what was going on we're like this is great we're going to do well. Uh, and we were. But his his partying days caught up to him, too. Um, he wasn't coming in. Um, he had also hired a bunch of his friends who I'm still, I know them, and, and they know me, and I don't think they think bad of me. But Brian was making them some promises like, hey, this business is going to be all of ours. But I could see it wasn't. There were two leaders that ran this place that went to the attorneys and that went to, uh, uh, you know, city hall and did all the legal things to run a company. And it was us. They were kind of the workers that helped so much, but I wouldn't want to get in business with any of them. Yeah. So there was a little bit of bad blood for a while, but then it all kind of worked out. And then, uh, Brian just kind of stopped coming in. Hmm. Uh, I remember it because I ha- he had set up a meeting with the Hells Angels, uh, San Francisco branch. Um, and they were coming in on a Monday. And Brian wasn't here on a Monday. So I had to <laughs> deal with them, uh, which I think we had a relationship for about 10 years with them, too. And um, But I knew, like, right then, I'm like, this is getting... T- too much I'm, I'm taking on everything and and then he's yeah he stopped basically coming in and then he left he just as a, you know a not thinking 23 year old he just walked away from the business 23 yeah yikes. 25 maybe yeah. just up and walked away so hmm. uh, I gave him some money but you know not what he should have got you know but he said give me a couple of grand and I'll sign over the business and I did and then I've been running it ever since, and that was like probably 2001. I started, I was owned it by myself, and all the old kids that used to work here. Because of course I'm so old, and I've been <laughs> here for so long that I've gone through like five waves of employees, generations. And all, yeah, and they all <laughs> come back, and nobody. I don't think anyone has any bad blood because I think I'm a pretty good owner. Um, I really learned well from an asshole boss that, you know, a couple asshole bosses that you can just, you know, if you treat people halfway decent and give them money and insurance, they'll respect you and like do things for you. Like, hey, that would really suck if I didn't go in on a Monday because I know that Mike is stressed out and we got all this work. Um, 
and he pays all my insurance and he pays us like kind of union wages you know i i think that that works you know how many employees do you have right now uh nine so it's a pretty big ship yeah um are they like mix of full-time part-time or it's all full-time well um people leave early for school a couple of days a week but it's mostly all full-timers yeah um it is it's all full-timers they might just 35 hours or so but kids with you know, guys with kids. Everyone's a kid compared to me. Um, <laughs> but they all, most of them have families and are married, and um, which is really great too. It works out good. I feel like I don't really have the young guys that I'm worried about are going to go running away. So they're kind of like, we're all kind of in it. Yeah. You know? So, and it's at the moment right now, it's at a good pace right now. So cool. And the art gallery too that's inside here at 63 Bluxom Street Gallery is another joy of mine because as much as I love Babylon, just like anything, uh, you're doing this podcast after 10, 20 years, you're going to be like, "Mm, I need a little bit of something else. And this gallery has really done that for both my wife and I. It's It's like our little escape to have these little shows every other month and, uh, um, yeah, I'm blessed to have it. Yeah, it's cool because it's, I mean, it's technically in this in the shop, yeah. same thing, but it's so different. It is. Like you said, I think you just called it an escape. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like it. And everything is like, as necessity would have it, everything is like machinery and chemicals and everything. And then you come in here and it's like white walls and art. Yep. Yeah. I know. We got... It was great because yeah, I wish I had pictures of it before. I think we do have pictures of it. was all oil, car parts, and like oil. Mm-hmm. Like toxic crap in this room. And then my brother came, my brother moved back from LA and he was looking for something to do. And he's an artist. And we just both looked at this room and I'm like, I think we could turn it into like a little gallery. Which was great because in turn, the old owner of this building used to have an art gallery here in the 60s. So it worked out really great. And he was, he's passed away. But when we opened this place, the gallery seven years ago, he was like, came to the first show. He was so happy that we're trying to still keep the arts here and it's hard. Um, I definitely want to touch on that, like the struggles of a small you know, business because it, it this this climb that I've had since I've owned it since 1999. Um, like I said, we took off. Brian and I took off, and we've I've gone through everything. I've gone through the dot com burst. I've gone through the recession, and it only got better. Believe it or not, like the dot com one was just people stopped advertising in magazines, so they got t-shirts to have walk-in billboards where they were spending 20 grand on you know in san francisco magazine or maybe that's a bad example but um of a you know a local magazine uh or even a no even like a high-end magazine like wired where they'd spend 20 grand to run ads now they'd have walking billboards for like three grand Um, so we actually did better and kind of the same thing in the recession people were like looking to save money 
on print and other things, and then they went with T-shirts. Um, but as great as it's been for the last 17 or so years, last year was a little struggle. I still haven't figured out what it is, you know. Um, uh, I just think it's the ch changing San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I've really seen it change. And every time I'm like that grandpa, like, oh, the neighborhood's changing. I mean, these tech companies are doing a lot of work with me. But they're sort of fickle, too, and they can come and go. I've had a million of them, you know. Um, um, so that's why I have been in, and have been for the last, since it slowed down a little bit in, in 2017, I've always pushed local. I've always said local, but not until I felt a little desperate or I felt a little crunch in my, you know, in my numbers that I'm like, I truly, <laughs> it's not just a word anymore, right? It's like, if Everett Middle School and 826 and McSweeney's and um, Electric Works and the local bar next door and um, uh, if they're not printing with me, my doors are closed. They, they really are. If Tornado... Um, is not printing with me my doors are closed uh it's true it's so true so and then i think it's just the change in san francisco and and i praise san francisco even city hall for trying to save us and and that's where a couple of years ago they came up with the legacy businesses right trying to save small businesses in san francisco and once we heard about that we jumped right on it we're actually the oldest screen printer in san francisco now Okay, because the company I used to work for, Graphic Sportswear, were, uh, but then they left. They left to move down South San Francisco. It kind of sucks that people figured out how good San Francisco was. That was the thing. Like when we moved out here in the '80s, you're like, does not nobody knows about this place? Of course, there, I mean, San Francisco has such a history. The hippies and and before that, right? I mean, such a history. But I don't think that you don't really know until you come here, right? Like sitting on the stoop in December drinking a beer in your shorts. I put this pair of shorts on in 1987 and I haven't taken them off. <laughs> and my wife's mother said when she met me, she's like, does he own a pair of pants? Because I always wear shorts. I'm really lucky. I'm really, I'm really grateful and I never forget that. And maybe that's part of the reason why I do give back. Like I mentioned before, the 826 Valencia, like I would print their stuff for free because I feel this sense of like gratitude towards San Francisco and, and feel so lucky to have what I have. Like I feel like I need to give back. So, what comes along with uh, getting legacy business status? What kind of protections? Um, uh, becoming a legacy business, you get there's certain uh, incentives for your landlord to sign longer leases. Um, you get, which I'm glad you mentioned that because I have to do this before October. Um, you get grant money, I think, for each employee that works here. Um, I don't know what that is, but I hope that they just give us some money and I'll just give it to the workers. I mean, if uh, or maybe we start a fun or do something with it, you know. Um, and then 
they're trying to brand it, right? They're trying to they're trying to turn it around. It's not just saying that you're the oldest screen printer. They're trying to brand it to San Francisco and to San Franciscans as, listen, you have to use these companies first, these legacy businesses, or they're going to be gone. I guess that's what happened in New York, right? It's like they woke up one day and they're like, shit, all these small businesses are gone. And it's because of the commercial spots that they had, these greedy owners either turned them into condos or whatever and kicked out all the small businesses. But I guess in New York, they actually have rights now for commercial space, hmm. um, which we need in San Francisco. I heard it'll, it's a pipe dream. It'll never happen because the developers would never go for it. But, you know, even me here, I mean, if, if some developer really wanted to come in here, we'd be out. You know, I have a lease, but that's a lease. They'd figure out a way around it. They'd figure out a way around yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so so for the legacy business, um, they're trying to brand it. They're trying to say, they're trying to get, and I also became a city supplier, and I'm hoping that that's going to help to be, do more local stuff, which now if the city hall or whoever comes to the, someone needs something for the city, maybe it's the San Francisco Marathon or maybe something else that they'll go to legacy businesses first and legacy businesses aren't just screen, they're anything right like when I got my legacy business it was Slim's uh, a yoga studio oh shit I feel bad I don't remember the name of it um, the lab which is a great place on 9th street uh, star and plow you mean other places that got their other status places as that well? Got their status. Okay. And there's only going to be like 200 or 300 of them. Hmm. And I think they already got 160 now. Oh, they've capped the entire program? They've capped. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think they're talking about trying to put the vote up there again to get more because, you know, if it's going to start really helping people and it's... Uh, changing san francisco yeah that story so there were five of us applying for legacy status or legacy business two of the people were being evicted right. so they were just trying to get the legacy status just so they could try to go to the press and say listen we're getting kicked out and we've been here for 30 years 40 years and we're just getting booted yeah. for you know higher rents yeah quadrupling you know right. um and it's a bummer. Uh, it's a it's a sad part of and a real part of San Francisco now. Maybe some new programs like the legacy business. Maybe it will. Maybe I mean maybe the legacy business is the start of the of the change. Yeah. You know? um, it's limited to three hundred, like we said, but maybe something will come from that. Yeah. You know, like maybe the whole local thing too will really take off, so that we can at least save these local businesses yeah and i want people because there's that whole thing where a lot of the new people to san francisco they come here for jobs probably tech jobs right. and then they either they work so such long hours that they don't actually partake of much of san francisco right and then a lot of these places shut down because blah, blah, blah. it's like i just want people to Move here for a reason. Yeah. Like, you know, other than a job, it's like, look around you. This is like you were saying, like, it's it's still, it's lost a lot, 
but it's there's still something going on here and it's go to chinatown right go to chinatown the older part of grand street it's still here yeah i was in the castro the other day walking we were walking to the castro theater to watch the yellow submarine oh i was there for that yeah uh and we're walking down 17th street and uh are coming from dolores park we walked all the way up and total crazy guy yelling at the pole some old businesses that i saw and i felt like it could have been 1980 yeah you know uh people out on the stoop Mm -hmm. you know and still gritty Mm -hmm. gritty is what i like yes you know gritty is like reminds me of san francisco tenderloin still has it too um uh, people out in the street people out on the street street life yeah yeah that's san francisco to me um it's there it's on valencia street has it too but it's sort of different i'll go to the chapel now and my daughter plays music and then we'll go it's definitely a different crowd um and there's people on the street um it all seems to shut down at 10 or 11 (laughs) right all right there's nobody when we were running the streets we ran the streets all night Mm -hmm. um and it was happening all night too. So, um, gritty, yeah, I like gritty, and I hope San Francisco stays gritty, and I hope it stays weird too. It's like that's the part that bothers me a little bit when it starts becoming um, just you know everything is like Starbucks and electric skateboards and scooters. There's just so much more to it, you know. There's so much more to San Francisco than that. That was Mike Lynch of Babylon Birding. For part two of this episode, we'll talk with Mike and his wife Judy about their newly reopened screen printing shop and art space, Gallery 939. That drops next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.